right, hey, good morning, Messiah. God's great blessings uh, to you this day, especially again to all the moms in the house. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, for all those who are watching at home, hey, mom, happy Mother's Day. Um, thank you for all that you do, for all the love and the care and the wisdom that you provide for your children. It is uh, so wonderful of God to have created moms. So happy Mother's Day. And so in honor of occasion, uh, but uh, man, okay, maybe not honor, but I, I did a little look around the old internet uh, this week and I, I came across this. These are the top 10 mom-isms and uh, there are some classics on the list, but the one that I really wanna highlight this morning is that last one. Look at that one, number 10, because I said so. That's why, ooh, that's good stuff. That's good advice. It's also some really good theology. Oh, children, you, excuse me, we would do so well if we would only just listen and did what our mothers told us to do. And oh, you children, uh, again, we would do so well if we did what Jesus told us to do. Obedience, that is uh, what we're talking about today and uh, it is an important part of life, and it is absolutely critical when it comes to following Jesus. Several years ago, I came across uh, something that Jesus said, and it really, it really woke me up. I was reading out of the contemporary English version, and uh, it was, it's Luke 6:46, and I remember exactly where I was when, I, when it, it hit me, like I was, I was hearing it for the very first time, and Jesus said, why do you keep on saying that I'm your Lord? when you don't do what I say. Now, I wanna be perfectly clear from the get-go that I am not, repeat, I am not talking about salvation right now. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about everlasting life. That's all grace. It is a free gift given to those who believe in Jesus as their savior. And so, doing what Jesus tells us to do is not about forgiveness of sins, or punching your ticket to heaven, or getting God to like you more. No, 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 that's all been settled about 2,000 years ago on Calvary. It is finished. And so obeying Jesus has nothing to do with salvation, but it has everything to do with following. Following Jesus is a lifelong journey of dedicating ourselves to be more like Christ. It's really for those who want more out of life. Here's the truth. The more you follow Jesus, the more you will know him. Here's another truth. If you're gonna follow Jesus, then you're gonna need to do two things. You're gonna have to listen to him and then do what he tells you to do. James 1.22 will back me up. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to obey Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, uh, then you need to listen to Jesus and obey Jesus. And get this, this is really for your own good, uh, mine too. It, it really is. Uh, maybe this illustration from Pastor Tony Evans will help. He writes, one time I was battling a cold and I couldn't shake it. I called my doctor, I told him my symptoms, and he told me that I didn't need to come in. He was going to call in a prescription for me. 
He told me what medicine he was prescribing and how he wanted me to take it. Now, a number of things went into motion. First of all, I had to believe that I was talking to the person that I thought I was talking to because I couldn't see him. It was just a conversation over the phone. So I had to listen, ah, I had to listen to his voice. I listened to his voice and he told me how to fix my problem. Now, I could have stayed in bed and meditated. I could have believed him, but stayed in bed. Thinking about how good it was that I had a doctor who understood my problem and provided me with a solution. I could have lain there, you know, just thinking about how great it was that I had a solution. But all that lying around and thinking about the good words that the good doctor shared with me wouldn't have made me any better. It may have given me warm fuzzies because he talked to me, but I'd still be sick as a dog. Guess what I had to do? I had to get up, get in my car, drive to Walgreens. Walgreens, great choice for uh, those Mother's Day gifts, by the way. <laughs> and I had to go to the pharmacist and say, do you have a prescription with my name on it? There's a lot of medicine in there, but I, I needed something that wasn't generic, but something that was uh, personal to me. The doctor told me it was there. And because I believed his word, I acted on it, and I went to Walgreens. Now, taking this illustration further, I could have just received the medicine and looked at it. I could have gazed at it and made sure that it looked uh, medicinally acceptable to me, but I'd still be sick as a dog. The doctor's instructions were for me not just to drive to Walgreens and get emotionally fixated on the look of the medicine, he told me to take it. And by following his instructions to the T, my faith was matching up with my works, and I began to feel much better. Evans continues, a lot of us are spiritually sick, and every week we come to hear what the doctor's got to say. And some of us stop there and just think about how good it was to talk to him. Uh, some of us leave church feeling good about how great that prescription sounds, but still sick as a spiritual dog because we don't take it. We don't ingest it by acting on it, and therefore we're not transformed. Nothing happens. We're not changed. Well, this morning we're going to take our cues from one of the original followers. I'm talking about Peter. Oh, I love Peter. Uh, he's our guy. You know, Peter's our boy. We get Peter. He's got this big mouth, you know, and, and he's emotional, and he's always messing up, and he's impulsive. And if you know his story, then you also know that uh, sometimes he was afraid of stuff. He denied Jesus when the going got tough. In his big moment, he blew it. And yet, those are my two favorite words in the Bible, and yet, Peter kept at it. You know, he kind of kept following one of these two-step forwards, one-step back kind of deals, and slowly over time, you know, Peter's life changed for the better. Better for himself and better for everyone around him, including you and me. An amazing transformation took place in the life of Peter. 
He became solid, you know, he became strong and stable, no longer afraid. Now he still had the big mouth, but God used that big mouth. So Holy Spirit used that for something good. Peter became the preacher, the big mouth preacher and teacher and leader of the very first church. See, he became more like Jesus. And that same power that transformed Peter is at work in all who believe and choose to follow. So let's take a look at how it all began for Simon Peter. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out just a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Okay, first thing to note, it's Jesus who initiates. He's the one. Jesus enters the world of people rather than expecting them to step out of their world and come to him. And that is nothing but grace. He doesn't have to do that. Secondly, Jesus is so good. He's sneaky, but in a good way. You see how Jesus is fishing for Peter? You know, he doesn't come up to Peter and say, hey there, buddy, have I got a great deal for you. Do what I say, and I'll really make it worth your while. No, no, Jesus doesn't. He doesn't tell Peter what he can do for Peter. Instead, Jesus asks for a favor. Peter, I, I could use some assistance. Will you, will you help me out? And you moms, you get this drill, right? You do this with your kids, right? Will you help me make your bed? <laughs> Will you help me set the table? Oh, very sneaky moms, but in a good way. So, so Peter obliges, you know, and Jesus teaches the crowd from the boat, I don't know, an hour or two, I don't, I don't know what to say. But when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And that is just backwards, okay? A carpenter, a landlubber from the hill country, telling a professional fisherman on how and where to catch fish. Put out in the deep water. Why deep water? Oh, Jesus is up to something. Now, Peter doesn't know that yet, but, but we know. Uh, Max Licato surmises that Jesus is doing with Peter what we parents do with our kids on Easter Sunday. Now, they find most of the eggs on their own, but, but a couple of treasures have yet to be found. So what do you do, Mom? You whisper to your child, you say, why don't you look behind the tree? And a quick search reveals that Mom was right. Amazing, again. Spotting treasure is easy for the one in the know. So finding fish is simple for the God who made them. To Jesus, the Sea of Galilee is a dollar store fishbowl sitting on the kitchen counter, you know. Let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. 
But because you say so, I will let down the nets. It is a preposterous suggestion. Let's put our feet in Peter's sandals. He is beat. He and his partners have been fishing all night long and got nothing to show for it. He's frustrated. The nets have just been washed or cleaned. For to, they've been up all night because fish feed at night. And besides, their nets are only for night fishing only. Fish hide under the rocks during the daylight. So it's a crazy thing that Jesus tells him to do. But Peter does, reluctantly. Ah, even still, Jesus can work with reluctance. And now I say reluctantly, uh, we, we don't pick that up much from the English version of the text, but, um, uh, but I've read a bunch from a lot of smart Bible scholars, and I can safely say that the word reluctant fits here. The word that Peter uses when he, he calls Jesus master uh, can be translated as boss. Uh, a paraphrase might go like this. Whatever you say, boss man, or how about this, Jesus? Uh, how about I won't tell you how to give talks and you don't tell me how to catch fish? The guys and I have been busting tail all night. So we're not stupid. We've worked hard at all the best spots and we caught zip. And now we're dead tired. And I stayed awake a few more hours to help you. You rabbis, you think you know everything. And now you want me to fish during the day <laughs> in deep water. Okay, all right, fine. Let's go out and see who knows what about fishing. That's Peter's attitude. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, and so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Ooh, can you imagine that scene? Well, thanks to the chosen, we've got some help with our imaginations and how it all went down, so we're gonna take a look. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing.
exactly deep water, but good stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's good stuff. I, 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 I love how Jesus is portrayed here, you know. You, you did catch that look on his face, you know, like, oh, I love it. Sometimes I think, man, how much fun it must have been for Jesus to be Jesus, you know. At certain times, of course, not all the time, the, the cross certainly comes to mind, and it should always come to mind that Jesus went to the cross to save sinners, you know, you, me, Peter. Uh, the, the boat was so full of fish that uh, they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, maybe, I don't know, I think Peter might have said something like, Beginner's luck, or wow, thanks, or same time tomorrow. But no, no, Peter, uh, he lifts his eyes off. Uh, off the fish and uh, onto the face of Christ. And uh, a couple of side notes here. Um, namely, uh, this is the very first time that the word sinner is used in Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke is now going to use that term all along the way because Jesus goes from there as the Savior who seeks and saves sinners. That's his mission, to seek and save sinners. Uh, second side note is that this is the only time in the book of Luke that he refers to Peter by his full name, Simon Peter. And I don't know really if Luke has a special point here, but I do think it's interesting because I don't know, when I was a kid, if my mom called me by my full name, Charles Scotchley, I knew that the jig was up, right? And there's nowhere to hide. And Oh, I guess I was about nine or 10 years old. It's about right. My family had rescued a lost dog, a wonderful Irish setter that my mom named Tootsie. But truth be told, Tootsie really wasn't all that wonderful. Uh, in fact, uh, Tootsie didn't stick around with us very long because she barked a lot and she was wild. She liked to bite children. And on top of that, Tootsie shed like nobody's business. Long, dark red dog hair all over the place. And as the story goes, my dear mother had invited a ladies group uh, over to our house uh, um, for some book club or Tupperware thing, I don't know, not sure, but uh, a bunch of women from church were coming over uh, that evening, and my mom was going to bake chocolate chip brownies for her guests. Now, you should know uh, that as a little guy, I kind of had a very, you know, big sweet tooth. Um, so my mom had to hide stuff, like chocolate chips, otherwise they would mysteriously disappear. And now my wife has to hide chocolate chips, but anyway, I don't know where my mom was. She was probably, you know, cleaning the bathroom or sprucing up the house, uh, but she was not in the kitchen. I was sneaky, but not in a good way. What I was doing, when I, I was grabbing a small, very small handful of Nestle Toll House chocolate chips out of the open bag that were sitting on the counter with the other supplies. She told me not to touch them. Of all the food in the kitchen you may eat, but do not eat from the bag of chocolate chips, for on that day you will surely die. That was the one. But you know I did. She wouldn't miss a few. 
except in my sneaky haste, I dropped the bag and the chips were down, literally. At least half a bag scattered all over the floor. Don't panic. Quickly now, I scooped up the chocolate chips from the floor and I guess quite a bit of Tootsie hair too. I know. It gets worse, because I didn't throw it in the trash can. No, I wasn't going to get busted. No, I carefully, oh, so carefully, dumped it all back in the bag, and I gave it a shake. No one was going to be the wiser. Mom would never know. All would be well, and it was, until later that night, when all of Mom's friends were pulling dog hair <laughs> out of their mouths. Charles Scott Slee, get in here. That's what she said. And all I could say was, go away from me, mother. I'm a sinful boy. <laughs> That's not what I said. What did I say? I said, I'm sorry. Ah, I'm sorry. And that is a big part of following Jesus. Here's a fact, it is a two-step forward, one-step-back kind of deal. We follow imperfectly. So just get used to saying, I'm sorry, Lord. And get this, it's good for you. Uh, me too. Uh, Peter falls at Jesus' knees and he asks Jesus to leave him. He's a sinful man. And he says that because he's Jewish, and he knows that the unclean defiled the clean on contact. But Jesus has a different view. For Jesus, the clean can purify Peter, the unclean. Uh, Peter doesn't know any of that stuff yet. Uh, and so what, what he's doing, he, he's actually you know, trying to do Jesus a favor by telling him to leave him because he doesn't want Jesus to catch the sin that he's got. Depart from me, Lord. And that's interesting, because Jesus went from, you know, okay, boss man, to Lord. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. And no truer word could ever have been spoken. Oh, but Jesus. Oh, Jesus, he will have none of that. He's not going to honor that request. He doesn't abandon sinners, no. He recruits them. He doesn't abandon sinners. He recruits them. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That's God's word. And it's really, really good news for anybody who wants to follow Jesus. He says, don't be afraid. Your sin problem? That's no problem for me. In fact, I could really use some people who know that they're sinners, <laughs> but all the more forgiven sinners. So let's go. This is such good news. Jesus doesn't 
limit his recruiting to spiritual superstars? Not not at all. He he invited big mouths and scaredy cats and the the beat up and the worn outs. Did you notice that, that Jesus didn't even ask Peter about his faith before he asked him to follow him? Now, after that, it was up to Peter then to listen and to learn and to obey. And he he learned the lesson, you know, but but wouldn't you know it, uh, from time to time, he'd forget. And he'd have to start over. No big deal. He'd start over again and again and again. And Jesus is always there always ready to forgive him and welcome him back. Peter's our guy. And Jesus is our Lord. And he calls us to be with him and to learn from him. He'll lead us along the way and and teach us. And there'll be successes, days where it's like, what? And failures where you're like, ups and downs as you travel steadily along and be patient with your progress as Jesus is with you just listen to Jesus do what he tells you to do keep following amen and let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for calling sinners and not religious superstars Uh, This way we know that you were serious when you called us to follow you. And we have every reason to do as Peter did and ask you to depart from us because of who we are. But you know, however, uh, that we would be heartbroken if you did leave us. But you didn't and you don't and you call us again and again and again to follow. So help us, help us to love you so much that we would really want to do what you tell us to do. And it would actually become our great joy. And so help us to to fish for other people so others can get in on the life that's truly life. And in great position, we lift up to you this day the health concerns of our loved ones who are in need of healing. And we pray for our friends and our loved ones who are hospitalized or battling an ongoing illness or just asking that you would bless each of these that you love with your presence and an increased trust in you as they, they walk by faith. And Lord, we pray for those who mourn. We pray for those who are without their mothers. We pray for mothers who are without their children, asking that you would come to them and bless them with your presence. And Lord of all good gifts, we thank you for all of the comfort and the care that you've given us. Um, through our mothers. And on this day that we honor them, we especially thank you and ask that you would bless our our mothers. Give them the grace to set a good example for their families. Hold your protecting hand over them and give them strength for every job and courage for each trial and a trust in you, which would grow stronger each day. And it is in your great name that we pray. And now continue with the words that our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. At this time, I would like to uh, call seminarian Fendler up. Uh, his name is also Ryan. If you don't know Ryan, he's uh, our director of student ministries. And uh, on top of that, really a, a great guy and a Jesus freak too. And so let's give it up for 